0: Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by millions, James the Exploding Unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by millions, Steve Dash, Rico Lever. Everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the podcast that'll record even before the sun comes up on some days. And James, we've got to map out. You know how some families have like a map of the U.S. and Canada um, somewhere in their rumpus room, and they'll put a pin everywhere they visit as a family. We need to put like a week. Uh, and put a pin in all the different times that we have recorded this show. On my end, it is right now 6 a.m. on Tuesday. I don't think we've ever done this before, but James, how are you at the prior to butt crack of dawn?
1: I am awake against my better judgment of all the possible times uh, we could record. This is the worst. <laughs> I mean, it, really, you would think after 19 years of doing this podcast together that we had already hit rock bottom, yet here we are somehow <laughs> in a worse form than we had ever been before. So I hope our, yeah. I hope our uh, listener appreciates the struggle.
0: Uh we we are what happens when you pick up the rock and look at what it just smashed that's us that's our rock bottom so but 6 a.m on tuesday go ahead james i i gotta i got something i want to get into and no sure you know what i'm here. gonna
1: send us off the completely wrong direction we we'll please launch us into your thing
0: <laughs> first of all I, have you just met the show <laughs> there is no wrong direction <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Judy P. will attest, she has endured this show twice as many times as we have recorded it, because she listens first and then watches, so she's double whammied every week. But I did want to say, if you've never, all of the listener out there, listened to our 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage podcast, the next one you hear will be episode number 200, as James, we're approaching a milestone in our long Way overdue for a divorce marriage.
1: Man, we uh, we just keep pumping those episodes out very irregularly. I mean, <laughs> so fun fact, <laughs> we are not recording one today, so... <laughs> the one that I finally got around to making from last week, we'll have to tide people over for a while. But you know, look at us finally making it to uh, to 200 with our podcast that actually has a real number of listeners. However, it is exactly yeah. as unprofitable as this podcast. And you know, every once in a while, I, I, you probably get these emails too. People like send me emails asking, "Can I be a guest on your podcast?" And it's always it's like marketing people or PR people who have clearly never listened to a single episode of either podcast. <laughs> this, I can not imagine a more inappropriate format to you know promote anything, literally anything, even things you hate, uh, but I do appreciate them spamming us with those so that I can continue to not reply, because let's be honest, the only people who deserve this massive audience of one is us.
0: <laughs> the ones that I used to love referred to The Commute when I was doing that show, because I would have like recognizable rock stars from our generation on the show. And people would be like, there, there were two different kinds of emails I would get. One is, hey, you ought to get like Dave Chappelle on the show. And I'd be like, hey, can you get Dave Chappelle for me? And they're like, uh, no, but you ought to get him on the show. I'm like, wow, thanks for wasting my time. I appreciate it. Or that, uh, hey, my cousin's nephew's former kindergarten teacher's grocer has a band and they'd be a great guest for you. They've got this great story. Yeah, he served in Vietnam. I think you'd really like talking to him. And I'm like, Who, what What does he do again? And they're like, he works at Sears, but he's in this band, man. So I, all of that to say, I, I do, unlike you, appreciate people trying their best to make our shows better, but it's all—it's—it's it's never going to work, James, because you and I, at the end of the day, are still you and
1: I. Well, that's the thing. Here you are looking down at people at, at who work at Sears, and like I would—I would aspire to work at Sears. Working at Sears would be so many tiers above where I am now, and to have a band with prior Vietnam experience on top of that Sears employment—sign me up, Steve, because that sounds like the dream. Instead of here I am with no retail store experience. Experience, no band experience, no war experience, just a guy sitting here talking to you. So what I'm saying is yeah. you should probably replace me with that last group you said because they sound way better.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got some people that you can replace me with because they're PR and marketing people. The other kind of email I get about our shows, James, and you I don't know if you get these or not because your email isn't associated with our platform But uh, I get from companies that want to promote our podcast (laughs) for a nominal fee.
1: Yes, I get those. Oh my! Well, what do they think is gonna happen? I'm gonna multiply our zero dollars to zero dollars. I, I I don't know where they think this scales from. People do that too. They're like for Instagram, they offer to sell me sell me followers for the zero dollars I make on there. Actually, somebody a very nice paid subscriber on Substack. The one place I do make money. They said there was some law that was passed. I think in Illinois that's like you have to pl- split social media proceeds with your kids. And, uh, if they're in, what? yeah. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't think you know where my money comes from. I make $0 <laughs> from Twitter, $0 from Facebook, $0 from Instagram. In fact, all of those platforms make massive returns on, you know, for me, like right now, the only things I make money from, I make money from Substack, which my kids do not write and my books, which they also uh-huh. do not write well, If They want to start ghostwriting them. I will gladly cut them in. That, that that sounds spectacular. I mean, we are just getting, I mean, I, th- I assume other places are making money off me because like on Facebook, there'll be like one of my posts and then there'll be like 95 ads and then like a post from a family member and 95 ads. So Facebook must be making some money somehow, but it is it is not coming our way.
0: Well, the other, and your posts have been scraped a lot more than mine have, but People will send me like hey your uh, one of your tweets appeared here and so there are four pay websites that use our content on their sites to make money off of us, and I don't think we have any legal recourse, James.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, my daughter, who, who actually respects YouTube far more than she respects me, she'd be like, Dad, I saw your, your tweets in, like, three videos today, and I'll go to people with, like, millions of followers, you know, they, you know some 22-year-old <laughs> who, who lives in a mansion, because he goes and he takes other people's jokes, and he takes screenshots of yeah. them and posts them up. So maybe he should give a profit, or a cut of his profit to my children. I would be fine with that. I yes. think that's a great law, and that we should go after them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember, and uh, this has been a while now, you were part of this too. There were, I think, 10 of us, that uh, Kate, what the heck is her last name? She and another author printed books of parenting tweets, and I think we got... We got paid like 10 bucks a tweet to have our tweets in there, to have our jokes in there. And you maxed yours out, like you had the most that you could have as a single author in that book. And I think I had I think you could get 10 total or not nah, had to have been more than that. But you had more than me. But we did get paid to appear in that series of two books. Do you remember that at all? I do.
1: That was before I was in any other book. Those those $10 was like, that was like the most money I'd made, or maybe the second most. (laughs) The most I made, I got paid $500, I think, for an article in Reader's Digest, where they just took an old blog post and truncated it down. But you know, Reader's Digest, it sounds like a big deal. It is, did you know it is the largest publication in the world? It has a circulation of like 5 million in the year of our Lord, 2023. Like nothing prints 5 million (laughs) copies. <laughs> nothing, Nothing prints 10,000 copies anymore. Print just doesn't exist. Yeah,
0: but they print yeah, yeah. all
1: these copies that end up in waiting rooms and like your grandma's house because she forgot to unsubscribe. And uh, so it's was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is my big break. And uh, five million copies of that article went out, and uh, and nothing. Actually, I had a couple articles oh, in there. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, I, there were there were so many times I thought this or that was going to be my big break, and nothing ever happened. Uh, but the, actually, there was one. I think my second <laughs> article in there it was about how baseball is not a sport, and it was you know a satire. I'm not a big baseball fan, but baseball obviously is yeah. a sport. But I remember this went out in Reader's Digest, and like seven years later, some high school student wrote me the angriest email <laughs> about this. I was like. <laughs> Where did you even go that you could find this? He's just like sitting in the doctor's office waiting for his allergy shots, picks up this like crumbling issue of reader's digest and becomes irate and just emails me about it. So that, that, that alone made it all worthwhile.
0: The Pages were yellowed and they smelled like Nana's attic. Yes. But there was the baseball article. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I I have a similar experience to a big fat zero, which I discussed at your dinner table with your wife once. But uh, I thought when I hitched my wagon to James Drinkwell, I I got in on the ground floor, and he was on his way to a massive following, and uh, it has done absolutely nothing for me on any social media platform to be connected to the amazingly popular exploding unicorn so i thank you for all of these years of my life for almost nothing james
1: that uh that one hurts on multiple levels i gotta say i'm, I'm so used to disappointing <laughs> myself to falling short but to, to disappoint somebody else even somebody i don't like like at all like that, that Man, that's that's humbling. And when you when you were talking to my wife, was this still in the hopeful stage, or was this in the stage where you realized we had both crashed and burned?
0: No, by the time I started coming to your house, I've only been there. Was I been there three times? I might have been there three times. But by the time I came, the. By the time I came the first time, we had already had a pretty deep run into our show, so I had made my peace with the fact that I had risen to the level that I was ever going to rise, and I'm fairly certain since then, because Twitter's been trying to clean up the bots... My follower count has gone down relatively significantly since getting in touch with you, or you got in touch with me since we started the show. Oh yeah,
1: my uh, my my follower count, as we discussed on here before, has been gutted. I am a, I am nobody with below a million followers now, but. <laughs> Even the ones that are left, my engagement is nothing. I get I get ten times more engagement on Facebook than I do on uh, on Twitter. There's just nobody there, so I don't think they're losing just bots. I think they are losing actual people. And I, I assume, unless those bots were just super generous with retweeting me and then replying with the dumbest possible <laughs> things, who, who knows? But I think I think the greater issue here is just that there's no money in social media in general, unless you are the owner of the social media company. And even then the only mm. money in it is the money you are stealing from your investors because the actual, because actually <laughs> you're probably running in the red every month. I, I can't imagine there is a less profitable company in existence than Twitter right now or X or whatever it has been renamed. So I think everybody's losing money except for like six people and good on them. They, they've figured out a way to milk content from the rest of us. And, and here we are, you know talking about it given them more free exposure, Steve we are just building them up, building their empire uh, until that Illinois law makes them give my kids money so I guess I guess we're in, in it for the long con.
0: Boy, and uh, no place I'd rather not live than Illinois, <laughs> but uh, I know that state holds a special place in your heart so I won't go on and on being a Wisconsinite whose natural rival was Illinois and Chicago in particular okay. Actually, the part of Illinois that you are familiar with, I don't have a problem with. It's the city of Chicago. So there's
1: Chicago and then there's Illinois. And the two should not be confused. Illinois proper, excluding Chicago, is the same as Iowa and Indiana and Ohio. And I I assume Kansas. I haven't been down that direction much. Maybe Nebraska. Who knows? I mean, there is just, it's just a big, you know, belt of, you know, cornfields. And the fact that they divided those cornfields into arbitrary jurisdictional laws, it's completely <laughs> random. It's all the same place. And then there is Chicago. It's like the New York of the Midwest. This giant metropolis plopped plop down there for no reason that anybody can understand. And uh, and it's there. And it's completely different than the rest of the state. People in Illinois don't like Chicago. People in Chicago don't like the rest of the state. They they should have just just walled it off, made it its own state. You know, built you know a 75 foot barrier around the whole thing, and everybody would have been a lot happier. Uh, except for the bulls. We liked the bulls. So they could, they could, they could be shared between Illinois and Chicago. Everything else stays in Chicago.
0: Hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know that I can get on board with that. I wouldn't mind walling it off and then lining up every bulldozer in the United <coughs> States, like shoulder to shoulder and pushing the entire city into Lake Michigan. What? And then we'll just we'll put a cornfield where it used to be. Well,
1: okay. The problem is it's in the way of everything. Like you can't get anywhere from Indiana to the northern half of America without going through Chicago. Like you can try to divert and it will just redirect (laughs) you back to Chicago. It's like it's just in an inescapable black hole that sucks you in. And uh, no matter what time of day you hit there, traffic will be bumper to bumper and at a complete stop for no reason. It's like 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon on like May 10th. Like, yeah, okay, this this is the perfect time for gridlock. Why are we sending all these cars through here? We have this massive state with so much open space. It's like, I know, let's run all the interstates directly through Chicago. Uh, it is it is the gateway to Minneapolis and, and to all of Wisconsin, and uh, and yeah, it, it will block you. It will charge you $75 in tolls for the privilege, and it will triple the time of your trip. So I, I'm okay with that, yeah. and they could build a bypass around Chicago, and then Chicago will just expand to consume it and then put gridlock there too it is is a menace (laughs) and must be stopped
0: a horrible horrible city populated by horrible (laughs) horrible people and uh, I will not come off of that opinion. And seven years from now, James, I'm going to get a scathing email from a high schooler in Chicago. And I look forward to it whenever it happens to land. This is,
1: this is the day we make the horrifying discovery that all along we've had two fans, one of them who's silently been watching <laughs> our videos three times each, and we just lost them because their only two loves in this world are Wrong and Wronger and Chicago. And now those two interests are getting a permanent
0: divorce. Well, I I'm glad to be the catalyst, and also glad to finally confront that person with <laughs> with reality, which is you live in a bad place. You got to move. Well, what? Leave. Leave Chicago. What is,
1: okay, so my beef with Chicago is one like it doesn't matter how the rest of the state votes. Chicago just does what it wants, and, and it also thinks it's the state capital. So there's there's a lot of resentment there from downstaters. <laughs> but what's your beef with Chicago? You you, don't, you never even lived in Illinois.
0: No, I did not. You had to think. You had to think for a second whether or not you lived in Illinois. I've been to many, many places, James. (laughs) I'm way older than you. I was. I probably lived in the uh, the territory before it became an actual (laughs) state. But no, Chicago and Milwaukee. It's uh. It goes back to sports, of course. But we we lived very close to the border of Illinois, and uh, so we called anyone from Illinois a fib. And I'll let you guess what the F stands for, but the I and the B stand for Illinois bastards. And uh, that's what we referred to any of them that had Illinois license plates coming across the border onto our turf. And we started snapping and dancing like the sharks or the jets. But uh, we hate the bears, we hate the bulls, we hate the White Sox. Uh, The Cubs are beloved though. Wrigley Field can stay because they're far enough north that the bulldozers won't push Wrigley into the the, uh, Lake Michigan. But uh, sports and then people are rude and uh, overbearing and uh, they all talk with that one, two, three accent when they're talking because apparently they're not smart enough to articulate their words when they talk. And I I hate it all, James. I hate it all. (laughs) Farmers in the middle of Illinois, they don't talk like this. The pitcher, he's the guy what throws the ball. That's the guy. Like uh, they, they at least have enough common sense to speak with the Queen's English. Chicago, they probably hate the Queen. In fact, because they hate everyone, including themselves. It's self-loathing projected outward. That is Chicago. Yeah.
1: you re- so, so I had a memory there. So f- speaking back of failed potential... <laughs> Back for I think yep. my second book back Hell back, back when I had hopes and dreams and they used to put me on TV to promote books sometimes I went up to yeah. Chicago and there were like there were I was on uh, I think two different news programs or it was one news program and one radio program and I uh, I did horribly of course I can't I can't do live TV I can't do recorded TV I just need to be hidden uh, from all formats <laughs> of video and audio including this podcast anyway to get there I had to take my minivan <laughs> yeah. through Chicago like deep dark Chicago, not parking lot on the interstate Chicago, but like Chicago proper. And I have no idea where I'm going. And GPSs weren't the best. I mean, they, they, they were a few years prior to this. This is probably five or six years ago. I don't remember. Hear that book came out, but it was uh, it was a while ago. So anyway, I get there and I'm the, the GPS is trying to tell me where to go, and it gets confused on ramps. Anyway, and then it just it just gives up. Like I'm off the map. Here be dragons. What on <laughs> earth is going on? It's because they have two layered roads there. There is, like, Chicago, and there is subterranean Chicago. There is a layer below Chicago. And it was I've never seen double layer roads in my, in my life. And satellite maps have no idea what to do. They're like, well, you're on one road or the other road, and they're separated by 10 stories. We can't tell where you are. And it's not like it was, like, one <laughs> interstate crossing over another. No, this was actual downtown grid streets, two layers. Wow. And then on top of that, yeah. I had to go into a parking garage that was, like, 10 stories below that. So I, I was down into Balrog territory down there. I mean, there was no way a satellite signal was going down there. I mean, they didn't have telephone lines. You couldn't get a carrier pigeon down there. You had to send on a canary to not die from noxious gases. <laughs> and it was probably the most stressed out I have ever been in my entire life, trying to find my way someplace to not crash and then to get to this TV engagement on time to then do a really bad job. So uh, so yeah, it was not the best experience. And maybe Chicago, stick to one layer. You don't, you don't need to be a two-layered city. You're, you're putting on airs.
0: <laughs> and those parking garage, that reminded me of a story. My daughter, who lives in Wisconsin, she used – she worked in Chicago, like in the loop, very briefly. She took the train down every morning from uh, whatever train station in Wisconsin goes to, like, hell. <laughs> but – I met her at. uh, She did a function at the Willis Tower that used to be called the Sears Tower. But so I met her there, and I I don't remember what we were hanging out. We went got Giordano's pizza. Giordano's pizza. But I had a rental car that was, I think, like a Nissan Armada. It was a big like SUV. Might have been a Lincoln. I don't remember. I used to get really good rental cars because of all the times I rented. But I went in the parking garage near the Sears Tower. And it was so low, my SUV got stuck. What? Like uh, one of the cement pylons overhead actually wedged the luggage rack or whatever the runner is on top of that Lincoln Navigator, whatever it was. And I was stuck. And so I couldn't get out of the parking garage. So I had to back the thing up and pray to God I didn't damage that thing because I didn't want to pay for it. But I remember having to go to the security booth. And ask asked the guy, he had to, to like loop me all the way back the wrong direction and send me out the indoor door because the ceiling was too low for me to get out the outdoor. And if you, man, I've never been particularly claustrophobic, but I remember having a little bit of panic. Like, how do I get out of here? I'm just going to abandon the $60,000 <laughs> SUV and run because this is Chicago and this is where people, this is how people die in Chicago.
1: I had a very similar feeling. I was like, "This must be what it's like to be sealed inside a pyramid." Like, <laughs> Pharaoh's <Yeah>. dead. You're <laughs> down there too. We're gonna close the. Bri- I mean, it was it was one of the most claustrophobic uh, parking garages yes. I've ever been in because it was in the footprint of a single building, so there wasn't space for anything. There were like supporting like concrete columns every ten feet because again, they went down to the center of the earth in the narrowest <laughs> profile possible. So I mean, you're like the steering wheel the entire time is cranked all the way to the left, but it was actually, that, that, that experience was recently surpassed. I was at a parking garage in Indianapolis and uh, I had parked, I parked in a spot where there was, you know, like... To be honest, my brain cannot figure out how parking garages work. I cannot wrap my head around how when you cross the middle, you're suddenly going down rather than up, but you're going over a ramp you have previously not been on. I, that I cannot, I cannot, my spatial awareness can't master that. Anyway, I was next to that crossover. So there was only a spot on one side of me and I was there very early in the morning. So I park, there's nothing to my right. I cheat right to leave extra space on my left. And, uh, and I you know I go I leave, and hours later, I come back, and somebody has parked so close, I cannot open my door. Oh. It was so close i can, i 'm a oh. pretty skinny person. it was so close, I could not even fit in the gap between the cars, like there was probably. Oh. an inch and a half to two inches between my mirror and the side of their car. It was a truck with a toilet in the back and it had just like <laughs> whipped in there at what I can only assume is 90 miles an hour, parked at an angle, taking up a space and a half and just left me unable to get in. And the only way I got it, I, I was sitting there I was like, what do I do? Do I do I call a tow truck to a parking garage and wait here for six hours? <laughs> and, and so I ended up. I had to crawl through the sliding door on the other side, which was thankfully still an aisle, and then climb over the you know the middle console to get into the front yeah. seat. And then to back up, I had to go and put my hand out my window on the mirror to make sure I didn't scrape this stupid toilet truck. It was it just blew oh, wow. my mind. Like, what was this person's end game? What were they in such a hurry for? I don't know. I, I am mystified, and I can only assume they came down from Chicago to show me their parking ways. He thought oh. I needed a touch of that Illinois culture.
0: Wow. That's such a great way to tie everything together. That was beautiful, James.
1: That's all I do. All this fine wordsmithing for, for zero dollars <laughs> per podcast, man. We, we really get our value out of this. <sighs>
0: Boy, and you just talk rage. Like uh, that person was sending you a very strong message that said more about them than about you. And uh, yeah, their message is... I'm an asshole. That's what they're saying, and they wanted to take it out on you because of something their stepfather did to them years ago, but you paid the piper for all of the sins of their father, James. I
1: I did, and I think the lesson here is parking garages shouldn't exist. The world should be spread out. There's so many cornfields out there. If you were ever in a situation where you think, we need to stack a thousand cars on top of each other, no. No, you don't. Just move someplace else, start a new small town, and, and we'll all be happier for it.
0: When uh, I had a rock star onto my house last week and he had a driver that brought him <laughs> out and uh, they came out to Rattlesnake Ranch and we had all of the the event we were having. I had it all set up on the porch of the little cabin, which has grass between the big cabin and the little one. And uh, so the driver said, because I said, just uh, drive the car over there and unload your guitars, which were auctioning off, or raffling off over there. And he asked the question, is it okay if I drive on the grass? (laughs) And I said, yeah, yeah, this ain't downtown Nashville here. It's okay, just drive on the grass. But I I do love that uh, we have room because we don't live in a city like Chicago, which you would call Satan's nutsack, except that's too good. This is this is what happens when you lift up Satan's nutsack and look underneath. That's Chicago.
1: We You had stories about rock stars and guitar auctions at your ranch. And we spent an entire episode, for no discernible <laughs> reason, talking about Chicago. And that is probably why we have less than two listeners.
0: <laughs> well, that was on my list for sure. But... <clears throat> You live a far more entertaining life than I do, James.
1: Yes. Well, anyway, I am going to go get back to that entertaining life because I have 9,000 kids to get on the school bus. So get us out of
0: here. Well, this has been another episode where you could have heard a great story about a rock star and somebody winning an autographed guitar. But instead, all you listen to is me and Breakwell complain about Chicago because that's what we do, people. We bury the lead. And you can dig yourself out of whatever we've got piled high and deep and leave for another week. We'll be back next week. And uh, who are we? I am Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn who does still in to that uh, little side triangular window in his (laughs) minivan breakwell saying thanks for watching thanks for listening if you're old enough to get that reference thank god you're still on this side of the dirt and until we meet again remember as always two wrongs can make a right